you truly experienced the mercies of God? Listen to Adrian Rogers. Now, if you think that it's uh, something unusual or something difficult for you to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, you've never seen the mercies of God. Listen to me, friend. When we were rebels, sin-cursed and darkened, on our way to hell, God in mercy sought us. He has saved us. He has secured us. Listen, folks, He came to save us. He died to save us. He rose to save us. He lives to save us. Soon He's coming to take us home. All of this is the mercy of God. We are His. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Welcome to Love Worth Finding, featuring the profound truth of the gospel simply stated in the teachings of Adrian Rogers. The days we're living in are desperate. It's time we discover our individual ministry to serve the body of Christ. In part one of today's message, we learned that before we do that, we must first present ourselves for His service as living sacrifices. Once we do that, we'll be transformed. Our new inner nature, which is from Jesus, comes to the surface and people see Him through us. That's when our ministry begins. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12 as Adrian Rogers shares part two of Discovering Your Ministry. Now, so many Christians are just floundering in their Christian life. I mean, they don't have any true fulfillment. And they're wanting to know, what does God want me to do? If God has a ministry for me, what is my ministry? I don't want to just sit, soak, and sour. I want to serve. But frankly, Pastor, I don't have a ministry. I wouldn't know uh, what I'm equipped to do. And if I found that out, I wouldn't know how to do it. And I tell you, it's time that we discovered our ministry, not only as a church, but as individuals. The hour, friend, in which we're living is desperate. This is a desperate day. Militant atheism is on the march. And the sands of time are running low, and we're in a race against sin, against Satan, against self. And we need to find out what is the ministry that our Lord has for us. Now, I want to give you four principles. And these four principles for discovering your ministry. I'm not talking about uh, going to pastor a church somewhere, but your ministry in your neighborhood, in your business, in your family, uh, whatever the ministry is, there are four principles. Principle number one is the principle of lordship. All right, did you get that? Write it down, the principle of lordship. Look, if you will, in verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Remember, that literally means your logical ministry. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's what you want to know. You want to know the will of God for your life. Now, look at this. Let's break it down. First of all, the request. Notice how it begins, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, we're beseeching God to do something, but God is also beseeching us to do something. Have you ever wondered why God may not answer your prayer? I wonder if you've answered His request. Have you presented yourself? You see, this if we don't hear God's Word, why should God hear our Word? And so, first of all, I want you to notice the request. And then I want you to notice the reasons. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by, because of, the mercies of God. 
Now, if you think that it's uh, something unusual or something difficult for you to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, you've never seen the mercies of God. Listen to me, friend. When we were rebels, sin-cursed and darkened, on our way to hell, God in mercy sought us. He has saved us. He has secured us. All of this is the mercy of God. We are His. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Let me tell you what's going to happen when you present yourself this way. What is going to be the result? I've talked to you about the reasons and uh, the requirement. What is the result? Well, look at it here. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The first result will be transformation by the renewing of your mind. The second will be information or revelation. Those two things are going to take place. There's going to be a change in you. Be transformed. This word transformed is the word we get our English word metamorphosis from. It comes from two words, and meta, which means a change, and morphos, which means a form. It is a change of form. You will be transformed. You will be metamorphized when you do this. When you present yourself upon that altar and the fire consumes you, then you are transformed. You're transformed. You're not conformed, squeezed into the mold of this world, but you are transformed. Form. Now, what is a metamorphosis? Well, when you took biology in junior high school, you learned that word. One of the first big words you ever learned was metamorphosis. I can remember almost like it was yesterday uh, learning about that word, metamorphosis. It just intrigued me. You take a, a, a caterpillar who crawls up into a cocoon, and he goes through a what? A metamorphosis, and he comes out a beautiful monarch butterfly. Now, what is the nature of that uh, caterpillar? It is a monarch butterfly. The inner nature comes to the surface. That's what a metamorphosis is. What is the inner nature of a Christian? Jesus. Now, what the devil is trying to do is to stuff Jesus in. He doesn't want Jesus to come out. So, he's trying to conform you so you won't be transformed, metamorphized, so your inner nature will not come to the surface. The inner nature of a Christian is Jesus. Jesus. And when you present yourself a living sacrifice, then you are transformed, metamorphized. The inner nature, which is Jesus, comes to the surface, and people see Jesus. I want people to see Jesus in me. Don't you want people to see Jesus in you? <laughs> the little boy says to his dad, he said, Dad, is, is Jesus bigger than I am? Dad said, well, yes, son, I guess he is. He said, well, then, God, if Jesus is in me, he'll stick out, won't he? <laughs> he sure will. <laughs> if you let him, he will stick out. People will see the Lord Jesus, the inner nature of a Christian is Jesus. Now, when there comes that transformation, then there comes that revelation. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now watch this, that ye may prove, that is, that you may know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And then look, if you will, as he continues to talk in the same train, 
Verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly, underscore the word think, more highly than he ought to think, underscore the word think again, but to think soberly, underscore the word think, for the third time, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, listen, when you're metamorphosed, you have the mind of Christ. No longer your mind, it is the mind of Jesus. That's your inner nature. Now, why did God renew your mind? So you could think with it. So you could think with it. So after he talks about the renewing of your mind, he says, think, think, think. Don't be afraid to use your mind. Be afraid not to use your mind. You have the mind of Christ. The will of God is found between your ears when you get right with God. You can think. Not in sinful exaggeration, more highly than you ought to think. Not in false humiliation, saying, I don't have a gift, because he says, I say by the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Not in sinful exaggeration, false humiliation, but in sober estimation. Listen, the first thing, therefore, is lordship. When, when you present yourself to him a living sacrifice, you're transformed, you get the mind of Christ, you are able to use the mind of Christ, and you're able to make assessments that you could never make before, and you think, you think, and you think, not with human rationality, not with human intellect, not with human intuition, but with divine guidance, you are transformed. You have now the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second principle, first one, lordship. Second principle is membership. Look, if you will, now. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, that is, your body sitting there has many members, eyes, ears, nose, feet, hands, lung, liver, all right? As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, that is, my hand doesn't do what my eye does, my eye doesn't do what my ears do, my ears don't do what my feet do, and so forth. They have not the same office. So we being many, listen, are one body. The church is not an organization with Jesus Christ, the president. The church is an organism with Jesus Christ, the head. He is the head. We are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. I belong to you, and you belong to me, because we both belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, folks. You want to know why many of you don't know your ministry? Because you've tried to find it apart from the body of Christ. What arrogance. What conceit. What pride! Don't you understand? His Lordship and our membership. We need one another. To say that you don't need other Christians is sheer pride, consummate arrogance. God made us different. Like our bodies, we don't all have the same office. Why did God make us different? God made us different that He might make us one. God made it where I am not supposed to be able to get along without you. You're not supposed to be able to get along without me any more than my eyes could get along without the rest of my body or my ears could get along without the rest of my body or my hands could get along without the rest of my body or my feet could get along without the rest of my body or all of this could get along without my liver or my lungs and sometimes parts of our body that seem more obvious and more needful are not the most valuable. Your right hand. I hear people say, I'd give my right arm for this. I'd give my right arm for that. Well, that'd be a big sacrifice. 
But friend, I tell you what, I'd rather give up my right arm than my liver. You think about it if it weren't there. We're different, but God made us different that God might make us one, and God made us where we could not be independent one of another. And you want to find your ministry? Listen to me very carefully. You're never going to find your ministry outside the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't believe in the organized church. Friend, they ought to will your brain to the Smithsonian. <laughs> what do you believe in? The disorganized church? The church is a body. Whoever heard of a body didn't have organs? Whoever heard of a body that wasn't organized? Of course there's an organized church. Thank God for it. God made us different that He might make us one. And God made us an organization and an organism. And He's the head, the Lord Jesus. And that's where you're going to find your ministry. Now here's the third principle. The third one is stewardship. Lordship, membership, stewardship. Look, if you will, in verses 6 and following. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And that word grace is charisma. The charisma, the charis that is given unto us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let, or let's just stop right there. Now, right here, he mentions seven basic Christian gifts. Now, every Christian is charismatic. That is, every Christian has grace gifts. That doesn't mean uh, that he is going to do miracles or speak in tongues. That's not what the word charismatic means. It means simply that you have received a grace gift. Here are seven areas of stewardship right here. Let's see where you fit in. Because, you see, God gives you a gift. Listen to me. Don't you dare, don't you dare insult God by saying God can't use you. What an insult. What an insult to the God who crafted you, formed you, saved you, and gave you a spiritual gift. God has given you a spiritual gift. Now, if God has given you a gift, then you're a steward over it. You've got to use that gift. Now, let's see where you might fit in. For example, he mentions in verse 6, prophecy. Well, what is prophecy? Uh, that's the ability to speak uh, for God. He that speaks unto men unto prophecy speaks unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. Very frankly, I believe that's the gift that God has given me. And it could be used in preaching. It could be used in jail services. It could be used in mission work. It could be used in vacation Bible school. Maybe that is your gift. If it is, have at it. We say it's not mine. Then he mentions ministry. Look in verse 7. The word ministry means service. It's, it's the word we get our word deacon from. It means to be a servant. You could work in general church work. You could work in the activities program here. You could do typing. You could do ushering. You could do coaching. These are those who are serving. You say, well, that's not glamorous like performing miracles. Thank God they're there doing it. And then there's the ministry of teaching. Now you say, well, uh, 
can I teach? Yes. You could teach perhaps in Sunday school if that's your gift, in training, in missionary organizations, neighborhood uh, Bible studies, vacation Bible school, backyard uh, Bible studies. There's so many ways that you could use the gift of teaching. You say, that's not my gift. All right. Then he mentions another gift, exhortation. What is exhortation in verse 8? That is to encourage people in the Lord. You could use that in soul winning. You could use that in counseling. Most counselors have the gift of exhortation. You could use that in, in hospital ministry to encourage people. And then in verse 8, there's the gift of giving. Now, all of us have the obligation to give, just as we all have the obligation to uh, exhort people. But some of us have the gift of giving. That is the ability to make money, to see needs, and to give, and to give over and above, and to give sacrificially. And it's these people who have the gift of giving that make up for the lack of so many others who don't even do what they're supposed to do. And then there's a gift of ruling. That doesn't mean bossing. It has the idea of organization. Uh, it, it deals with leadership. It deals with church staff. It deals with committees. Uh, it, you could be a coach and have this gift. It deals with organizing. Then there's the gift of mercy in verse 8. Look at it. Thank God for those who have the gift of mercy. Bill Gothard illustrated all these gifts, I think, wonderfully. He just imagined a dinner party, and the dessert is being served, and, and the dessert slips off the tray. Let me show you how all these different gifts would work together. The person who has the gift of prophecy might say, you know, that's what happens when you're not careful. A person who has the gift of mercy says, hey, hey, don't feel bad. That could have happened to anybody. The person who has the gift of service says, hey, let me help you to clean it up. The person who has the gift of teaching says, well, you know, it fell because it's too heavy on one side. <laughs> the, the person who has the gift of exhortation says, hey, let's serve the dessert next time with the meal. The person who has the gift of giving says, I'll buy a new dessert. The person who has the gift of administration says, Jim, you get a mop. Sue, please help pick it up. Mary, you go fix some more dessert. Now look, I've seen, all of that just happens in the church. You see, all of those are needful. All of those are necessary. All of those are valid. So, so you're going to find your ministry. Look, first of all, lordship. Secondly, membership. Thirdly, stewardship. Find out what your gift is. Well, you say, how am I going to find out what your gift is? Go back, think, think, think. But that won't work unless everything's on the altar and you have the mind of Christ. All right, now here's the last thing. All right, and that's the principle of fellowship. Look, if you will, now in verses 9 through 13. Look at it right here. Let love be without dissimulation. That means without hypocrisy. Uh, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Notice that phrase, serving the Lord. If you put those four things together... Now listen to me very carefully. If you put those four things together, lordship, membership, stewardship, Lord help me to find my gift and use it, and fellowship in a spirit of love, friend, I'll tell you what, not only will God use you, God will wear you out. God will wear you out. You have been called into the ministry. There is something that God wants you to do. I went to England one time, went to London, and like some of you, I went to the Tower of London. I wanted to see the crown jewels. And there was one jewel that I specially wanted to see. 
I asked the guide about it, and I made it my point to see that one jewel because I'd read about it. It was the Coronor Diamond. When the Coronor Diamond was found, it was 186 carats. Incredible. As a matter of fact, they said the value of the Coronor Diamond was worth one half of the daily expenses of the whole world. The Coronor Diamond. This diamond was passed round about. Finally, it ended up in India under the aegis of a Punjab prince who was 10 years old. He gave this diamond to Queen Victoria, the Queen of England, as a 10-year-old boy. Later on, this Punjab prince grew to be a man. He went to the Tower of London or where the jewels were kept at that time, and asked to see the Kuhnor diamond. They brought it out. He said, would you place it in my hand? <laughs> they thought, uh-oh. He now realizes as a grown man what that diamond was worth. But they could do nothing else. They took it and placed it in his hand. Then he turned to the queen, and this is what he said. When I was a lad, a boy... I gave you this diamond. I did not know what it was worth. Now as a man, fully realizing what it is worth, I want to give it to you, my queen, one more time. I read that. I thought, oh, oh, that's what I've been trying to say so often. Many of us, many of us gave our hearts to Jesus. But friend, when we grow in the grace and knowledge, when we see all that Jesus did, when we think of the mercies of God, I think some of us want to say, Lord Jesus, I gave you my life as a child. I meant it. But now, my Lord, realizing more about you and more about me, here, Lord, I give you my life anew and afresh. That's what I want to do. In these desperate days, we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Then we'll prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, as you've listened today, perhaps as Pastor Rogers mentioned, you recognize your need to dedicate your life to Jesus in a more grounded, deeper way. If you'd like to learn more about how to cultivate a faith that flourishes, go to our website and check out our Grow Your Faith page, where you'll get grounded and dig deeper in your walk with Christ. Go to lwf.org radio and click the tab that says Grow Your Faith. We can't wait to hear from you today. Now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, you can call us at 1-877-LOVE-GOD. Mention the title, Discovering Your Ministry. This message is also part of the insightful series, Foundations for Our Faith. For that complete three-volume collection, all 27 messages, call 877-LOVE-GOD, or you can order online at lwf.org radio. Or write us at Love Worth Finding, Box 38600, 
Memphis, Tennessee, 38183. You may not know you can also purchase our new Bible studies much like this message in our online store. For more, go to the website lwf.org slash radio. Have you discovered your ministry? Abide by the principles of lordship, membership, and stewardship. Continue in fellowship with other believers. And we're so glad you've joined us today to study God's Word. Tune in next time for more from Adrian Rogers, right here on Love Worth Finding. We were so honored to read this recent online comment from a listener. I listen to the Love Worth Finding podcast often. It's a blessing, and I've grown in my faith. Every episode is the gospel simply stated. You know, at Love Worth Finding, our mission is to continue the legacy of Adrian Rogers of drawing people to Jesus and helping believers grow deeper in their faith. To thank you for your gift of support right now, we'd love to send you our new More Than Conquerors Bible Study. The book of Romans can be for you what it was to the early church, a solid word in an unsure age. In this eight-week study, Adrian Rogers examines Paul's letter to the believers in Rome to show us how to live in the victory that the Lord has given us. Request this resource when you call with a gift at 1-877-LOVE-GOD or give online at lwf.org radio.